Yeah. Good morning. It's good to see uh, lots of faces I don't know, um, which is always great, and some that I do know, uh, which, is, which is even better. So it's lovely to see you. And um, yeah, and it's great to be here. So <clears throat> I want to speak this morning that the subject that came to my heart was cast your burdens onto the Lord. And uh, Psalm 55 verse 22 says this, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will never permit the righteous to be moved. Yeah, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will never permit the righteous to be moved. It's a great psalm, you can look at the whole psalm, but in a sense that just captures what I want to say this morning. And, uh, and I hope that you will stick with me. I know it's hot in here, isn't it? Um, and so I will be keeping an eye out on people. Um, just if you're nodding too much in agreement, then maybe it depends whether you get into a deep state of prayer, Connor. You know, where you're really over like this. Um, I can pick on Connor because I know Connor. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so keep an eye on that. Yeah. All right, Tony. Keeping an eye on you. But one of the, I think one of the greatest challenges that we have when we walk with God is to continually trust him uh, for all our worries, our anxieties, our burdens that we carry. I think that's one of the challenges. Every day, maybe, we have to make choices as to what we're going to do and how we're going to deal with the worries of this life. And I think, and you may, don't, I don't mind if you don't agree with me, but modern life is very good at creating stuff to worry about. Um, it's creating, um, if you like, um, levels that we have to live up to. It's, it, it's creating an assumption that we all have got to be a certain way. And if you're not, then that can often lead to anxiety. And I haven't studied this or anything, but I'm sure there's someone has. That anxiety, particularly amongst the younger generations, is on the increase, not on the decrease. And, um, and so, you know, we, we have this wonderful life that we live in and, and it's supposed to be getting better for us and I'm sure in many ways it has. But come, what comes with it is something which is a bit unseen. It's the anxieties and the stresses that happen on the inside that we don't see. We might see an increase in our uh, materialistic kind of um, lifestyle but a real decrease in our peace and our sense of joy and our sense of uh, rest and satisfaction, if you like, on the inside. And um, <clears throat> the world will continually create this pressure to conform. It's got, um, you know, it, it, if you like, presents this message that if we follow this way, um, that we will, it will lead to greater joy and greater um, life and all these kind of things. But James said this, he said that this, he talked about something else, and I think there's a wisdom that the world gives, there's a teaching that the world and society gives and this is where James says it comes to, he says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above, i.e. from God, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. It's interesting, isn't it? I'm not going to talk about that. I just thought that was interesting. When we think about, you have to identify that what the Bible teaches us is becoming more and more different to what the world teaches us, what society teaches us. And we have to understand where it comes from. So... I want, to, I want to tell you this morning that it, is, it would be no surprise to anyone if that you are, even this morning, even in this time of worship, been struggling to come and be free in God's presence because of some worry or some anxiety or some burden that you're carrying. It would not, I reckon, if we, we won't, if we put our hands up, I would say there's a good lot of us that somewhere along the line we were thinking about something that is bothering us or worrying us. 
Um, and if you don't worry about anything, please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to know the secret. Um, because I, I might ask you to go and do some things, because it might be you lock yourself away and do absolutely nothing, and you care about absolutely nothing, and maybe when you get into that state, you'll carry no burdens. Because I think we all care about something. And, um, but if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to Matthew 11, this is a famous passage. And this, uh, just turn to verses 27 to 30. Because this is, you know, as, as the world lays burdens on us, and we've got to be careful as the church, we don't lay burdens on people, because Jesus said that he's come to take our burdens off of us. So this is what we want to look at this morning. And um, if you're there, I'm going to read it. All things, it says in verse 27, have been, this is Jesus speaking, have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Tim, uh, um, I think Tim wants to talk about rest soon. And, um, and I've, something I've been thinking recently, that the gospel, the good news, is a good news of rest. It's about being at rest in God. And um, I'm not going to go into that so much, but that in a sense, as that is the call of God upon us, to come to a place of rest, not a place of works. But he makes this um, statement, he says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. No one knows Jesus but God. It's basically what he's saying. No one knows Jesus but God, and all things have been handed over to Jesus. And if you go to Matthew 28, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now I send you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. All things. And I think this is a really deep kind of um, verse that needs a lot more kind of thought. But I summarize it like this. Jesus is so big, it takes God to know him. Yeah? Is anyone awake with me? You can say words out loud if you want. Um, but Jesus is so big. See, we think we know Jesus because we read about Jesus in the Bible, but Jesus is so huge that it takes God and the infinite and the omnipotent, powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing God to know Jesus. And all we know of Jesus is what has been revealed to us by him. And the Bible is is that expression of the revealing, the revelation of Jesus. But it is not all of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that someone can come up and say, I want to tell you something about Jesus that isn't in the Bible because Jesus has revealed it to me. That's not right. That will never be right because this is the revealing of Jesus. And the Spirit will always be in accordance to the Word. So let's just lay that. But I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, what you know about Jesus is not enough. Just to keep you awake, you can... What you know about Jesus will never be enough. You can say it. You can say it to me. Come on. 
<laughs> you know, there is much more, isn't there? There is so because God is greater, He is bigger, He's mighty beyond the word of mighty. He is powerful. We've been singing songs that He is good, He is wonderful. He speaks things into being. It says He spoke the universe into existence. Read Hebrews chapter 1. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is Jesus. This isn't the Jesus that was lying in a manger. That was, when Je- that was Jesus, but sometimes we leave him in the manger. Sometimes we leave him wandering around carrying sheep or whatever it is that they, people think he was did. Um, but he is mighty, powerful, he's great. He, he, he got up and he calmed the raging sea with just three words. Three words that a child could understand. Peace, be still. He fed the 5,000 and the 4,000 with two lunchboxes. This is Jesus. And what did, how did he do it? When you read the stories, he just pulled it apart. He didn't go, Ashabakazam or whatever, Shazam. Uh, he didn't do anything like this. He didn't go and spend weeks, you know, shouting at this bread to transform. He just broke it and it just happened. This is, this is the Jesus that it takes God to know. He paid his taxes through fishing. Know that story? He, someone said, you know, should we pay taxes to Caesar? He says, go and grab me a fish out the sea. And in it was a coin. And he said, Does, whose face is that? And they said, it's Caesar. He says, give to Caesar what he Caesar's. He paid his taxes through, and we worry about how we're going to pay out. I don't know about you, but if you're self-employed, you think, am I going to have enough in my savings by the end of the year to pay my taxes? And Jesus just went, just go fishing. No, he didn't say that to me, but that's what he said to his disciples. You're fishermen, go fish. And they paid their taxes. He, he, um, he walked out of his tomb three days after he died. He descended into hell to preach the souls in prison. These are deep things that, you know, takes me a bit longer to try to figure out, a lot longer than I have already. He walked through locked doors after his resurrection. How about that? He flew... He ascended up into the sky through the clouds. He flew, let's just call it what it is. I'd love to have seen that, him just go up into the clouds. Um, You can tell I'm a child at heart. And he will come again tattooed up with vengeance, with a sword on a horse. These are just some of the things we know that he's revealed to us. And he said to to the teachers today, he says, you search the scriptures, talking about the Old Testament, and they, what was his words? They testify of me. Jesus. You go into the old, the old Testament, that's why we don't write off the Old Testament because the Old Testament testifies of Jesus. Jesus is much bigger than we give him credit for. Sometimes we reduce everything down to what we can understand which makes sense to us, but God would always be bigger and Jesus is always bigger than what you know of Jesus. And he's always doing things that he hasn't let you in on. Sorry to disappoint you, but he won't tell you everything. And this is the question. He says this. He says, come to me, all you are heavy laden. This great invitation, this call of God to everyone. Will you come to Jesus? Are you working hard to live up to this life that you're trying to live and you know you're getting worn out and you're struggling and you're trying to, and for some who were really religious, it was, are you working for salvation? You've got to give it up. Or maybe you're trying to work to have a place in this world. Are you working hard, carrying the burdens? Give it up. Come to me if you're struggling and you're weary and you're troubled. 
come to me. And this is this great invitation. There's this invitation out at the moment. It's called um, Lunch with the Cloonies. Have you seen this? Um, Jules Clooney. No, Jules Clooney. If you don't know, tell the person next to you if they don't know who Jules Clooney is. Actor and Amal Clooney, who's this great fancy lawyer. This amazing like, celebrity couple, they're offering, do you want to come and have lunch with us for some charity thing? That's not what Jesus is offering. He's offering not to come and have a lunch date for some kind of PR stunt. He's saying, come to me and come into an eternal, lifelong, an eternal relationship of walking together with one another. Have you come to Jesus this morning? And maybe you thought that all this was all about, we come and sing songs and, and read bits out of the Bible. Everything that's going on here, and this is when you don't know everyone, you don't know where everyone's at. Everything that goes on here is to help us to know Jesus more so that we don't need this. Not, but we will always need this while we're in earth. This. We need Christian community. We need church. But he's not saying we're just trying to fill seats. He's saying we want to know Jesus. And so he's saying, come to me, this great invitation of continuous connection, relationship. He uses the word a yoke. And a yoke was this bit of wood that went over two oxen to keep them together as they ploughed the field. And so he's saying, we are going to be connected as close as two oxen in a field. Wherever we go, we've got to walk together. But he has, his, he has a condition here. He says, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is his condition. You've got to take his yoke. You've got to surrender your rights. You know, if I was... Um, I, I need to sort my car out. And so I don't go to John and I say, John... Can you help me do my car? And then I just take over and I say, I'm going to undo this bolt. I don't know about cars. I'm going to take off this carburetor thing and this, this pipe with a whatnot. And I'm going to do that. And John's like, what are you doing? If you do that, you're going to break. He says, John, you know, I have my rights to do what I want with my car. First of all, John's going to get in his car and go home. Um, because it is, it, is, it is just mind-bogglingly stupid of me to assume that I know... More than John, who knows things about cars, I don't know what, and me, have no idea about cars. How much more in life, if we were to join with Jesus, who created us by the word of his power, uh, for me to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, no, I know better, so you need to follow me. That's never going to work. Come to me, all who labour, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Have you ever met someone who's, who knows everything? <laughs> I'll leave that there. Isn't it refreshing when you meet someone who's just like, they, you might respect them no end, like I respect Pat no end. But what I love about Pat, he's willing to learn. Are you willing to learn? I don't know. We haven't that willingness to learn. Do you know what you can do with someone who is willing to learn? Like Connor, is he willing to learn? Connor works in our cafe, and it's great to have Connor. It's like, Connor, this is what I want you to do today. And he just does it so lovingly and so... Um, no, not, sorry, not Connor, that was Hayley. Hayley, <laughs> sorry, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't work with him that much. But, but isn't it wonderful when you have someone who says, you know what, I want to learn? I want to learn. And that's what Jesus is asking of us. Come to me, learn from me. I want to show you. I want to lead you. I want to teach you. I am gentle and lowly in heart. 
That's what Connor says to me. He says, John, I want to learn from you because you are gentle and lowly in heart. <laughs> Don't you remember saying that? No. It's because you didn't. I'm just making a point. And you will find rest for your souls. There is a condition. Psalm 55 says, as we read earlier, cast your burden on the Lord, he will sustain you. And then Peter says, he says, cast, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's not an optional extra. We have to do something. We have to cast our cares on him. We have to put our burdens on him and we have to learn from him. That's a yielding and a surrender. The, the Christian walk is just yielding, surrendering to Jesus. If you have that in your heads and if I have that in my heart, I tell you, God will just move powerfully through you and I if we're willing to surrender. And I think, I think we know when we're not surrendering because we might hear something like that and immediately in your heart there's a rebellion that comes up. Yes, Lord, but not that. Yes, Lord, but not my job. Yes, Lord, but not my Sunday mornings. Yes, Lord, but it's not an optional extra. He must take the lead and we must follow. And we have to trust that he, being the God Almighty that is far beyond all that we can ever know and understand, is far better to take the lead than for me. See, we're not good at giving our burdens to the Lord because we're not good at trusting in him. I think we can trust him for some of the things. I, I think if I said, you know, for many of us here at least, do you trust Jesus that his death on the cross was enough? Do you trust your life to him that he's paid the price, as the Bible tells us, and that you need to put your trust in him for that? I think many of us say, amen, John, because there's no way I can participate in that. But will you trust me with your finances? Well, hold on a minute. As soon as we can participate in that activity, we like to take a little bit of control. Now, maybe that's just me, and clearly it's none of you guys because no one's nodding in agreement. But are we willing to trust God for the things that we can control? Are you willing to let go of the things that actually you're very good at? Can you trust him with your finances? Can you trust him for your children? It's nice to see some children here, although they've grown up a bit more since I've seen them. Can you trust him for your, your partner, your husband, your wife? Can you trust God with your future? Or your dreams and desires that you've had since you were a child? Are you willing to surrender them and say, Lord, I'm going to trust all of my dreams, all of my desires to you because I know you care for me and I know that you're better at life than me because you created life. You're better at all these things because I can trust you. Are you willing to trust all these things? Are you willing to trust church to you? Something I've had to go through more recently. Am I willing to just... Lay it out like that and say, Lord, it's not mine. To trust him in spite of all of the plans that you've made and your, the, all of your scrapbooks. Does anyone make scrapbooks anymore? All your Pinterest pages maybe these days. Um, all your things that you want to do as you thought about your future. 
Are you willing to trust your house, the churches, to the Lord? See, God has a way, I think, of using these things to highlight the areas of our lives we haven't given to the Lord. Someone once said, the heart is made up of many rooms. And there are some rooms where we say, yeah, come on in. Come on in, Connor. Come in into these rooms, but don't go in that room. Don't go in that room. That room's locked. And maybe we do that to the Lord. You shouldn't have sat on the front row, Connor, sorry. Come on in, Jesus. Come on into my heart. But don't go down there. And Jesus loves to go everywhere. Round in the nook and crannies. He wants everything. He died for everything. He didn't die for a bit. He's for all surrender. He's for yielding everything to him. And there's that little room in the back of our, in the bottom of our heart where we keep all that stuff that we don't want anyone to know about, especially Jesus, because we're under some kind of thought that Jesus won't accept me if he knows what's in that room. Jesus knows what's in the room. He's waiting for you to open up the door. See, the way of peace is absolute trust. And I believe wholeheartedly that God allows things into our lives and he will use these. He doesn't create them, but he will use these anxieties to make a point to you and say, if you would realise that that anxiety and that worry, that burden you're carrying,